0: Welcome to the Sense of Soul podcast. We are
1: your hosts, Shannon and Mandy. Grab your coffee, open your mind, heart, and soul. It's time to awaken. Today we have this Mariel Ford Clark. She joins us today to talk about her new book, Where After, Where Do Our Loved Ones Go After They Die? Mariel is certified in many healing modalities. She is a medium, she is an angel and ascension teacher and is a spiritual healing counselor. And we are super excited to have Marielle with us today. Welcome. Hello. Hello. Well, hello, my angel. How are you? Oh, you're so sweet. Good. How are you? I am very good, Shanna. I love your name, Marielle, like Marielle. Marielle. Did you say it like sh-
2: Ariel? Ariel was one of my angels many,
1: many, many
2: moons ago when I started out on this ascension path. Yes. I'm curious. Tell me about yes. that.
1: Like, how did she introduce herself to you? Well,
2: would you believe it was just an amazing, I was at a workshop. This is going back many moons ago now, Shana. I had seen this uh, lady, she was promoting her IET workshops, integrative energy therapy workshops. All of a sudden I see this, beautiful angel and and i said i know you i i know you i went over and i really looked at this photograph and i said i know you we need to reconnect so i joined up for the program and it was miles and miles it was five hours from where i lived every three wow. weeks and okay. when we were doing the program this guy comes over to me and he said he was attending the workshop as well he said um, does anything Familiar, resound in you, he says, and I says, I'm, I'm not sure what you mean. And he said, Look at the photograph. Look at you. You look the exact same, he said. Now that was many moons ago, Sean. I look very different now. <laughs> well, actually, I can't see you. Or oh, you can't see me, love. No, hold on. Sorry, darling. There you
1: are. There, oh, there we you go. Are. <laughs> okay, let me tell you. I have never been familiar with any goddesses. I'm from yeah. a Catholic background. I stick to the archangels and Jesus and God, and all from the source. And my ancestors started to come. Oh yeah, he's. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a more <laughs> modern Yeshua. Much wow, yes. that's beautiful.
2: I've also into the 21st century, so I. Didn't- <laughs> <laughs>
1: He got he got a makeover.
0: He got a makeover to fit
1: in. (laughs) But Mariel, what happened is first Bridget came to me and Mandy both. I mean, just over and over and over. She wanted to be heard. And then I had the most amazing experience with her, my grandmother, and my great-grandmother. Wow. And it was about my mother. It was about the triple goddess. One of the coolest experiences. Then recently. I've had Sophia, Pistis Sophia. Okay, yeah. Right, that's Sophia. I've been on that
2: kick. So, Sophia, I'm familiar with it. It's one with the archetyped archangels. She's the goddess of compassion with yeah, Kuan Yin. Yeah, it's like an ascended master name and it is the goddess power. There are so
1: many of them, Shanna. So, one day I was working on a client. And I channel like these meditations for each client. Like I'm visualizing and I tell them what I see. I just take them on a journey. And then a lot of times, usually it's ancestors that come through. So I was like, uh, there's a Tara here. And I'm talking about compassion, empathy, and all this stuff. And this girl is such an empath. And I told her that it is her strength. And she sees it as a weakness. She needs to really use it as her strength. Then I start feeling Bridget come through and she was talking about this girl also takes the mother role in her family and that she doesn't ever ask for help or stuff like that. And she's doing more than she should. So I'm telling her all these things and I get out my deck because I, I had gotten that keepers of Light deck and I'd only used it. Oh, I've only used it once and I'm looking for the Bridget card to show her Bridget. And sure enough, there was a Tara and I didn't yeah. know they were a Vatara. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, just stuff like that. I never even heard of them. And you see, Shana, it's
2: about you're a pure channel. You're an undiluted pure channel. You get out of the way and you allow spirit to move through you. Yeah. And, and it's all goddess. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that amazing? And, and you see, part of my work with my workshops is Bringing in the balance of the divine masculine and the divine feminine, mm-hmm. even though we need to anchor and activate the, the the god, the goddess, the priest, the priestess energies in a balanced way, but we lost we lost the goddess power over ions, and we oh, need to reclaim no. it now. But it's about bringing the balance as well so that we don't that the goddess energy doesn't become an ego power hungry animal that's going to put down the divine masculine because while we were put down we
1: must be very aware that we don't repeat the passion oh that's a good point and you know yeah. and that's what sophia is the feminine of god energy you know yes. of that and so I've I've read the pistis Sophia wow I'm reading the keys of Enoch and having JJ her talk and and Desiree his wife on our podcast to talk about that because I just went down this new rabbit hole of information I hadn't received before and when it's there in front of me and it keeps coming and keeps coming and keeps coming it's like the universe wants me to know these things, God or source or yeah. however you see it. But I have been such a seeker throughout my life. It seems like you have too. Even as a child with Catholic roots, I still was a seeker yeah. then. What I was experiencing with the Holy Spirit, that too, was undeniable. A yes. feeling, source, and spirit. See, so your- uh, here I'm going to call you Sophie now. Oh my goodness, they mattered
2: <laughs> <added> already. <laughs> And I'm looking up at my living Christ picture. Oh, my God. And I call
1: you Sophia. Well, the one behind you is the one that I keep looking
2: at. Oh, that's the chart of the divine I am presence, the highest aspect of our soul, that we're still connected to the master energy, the universal God energy here as we, the mere mortal, that we never forget that our lineage to the creator God. It's, I love that one. But I have a beautiful living Christ one in front of me. Uh, I keep going to call you Sophia now. And, uh, but going back to the Catholic, um, you see, I got in so much trouble, even as a young girl, because <laughs> I was taught by nuns. And the nuns were always condemning. You're going to burn in hell. You're bad, bad. There was no room no. for love and light and compassion. And I always argued with the nuns, even when yes. I was so small. I used to say, No, no, that's not the God I know. No, no, yeah. that's not the God I know. And how would you know? Because I just know that's not the God I know. And I would end up, they would put me behind, there were massive, big black boards. And I would be put behind that all day and a dunce's hat on my head. Yes, that's where I oh. spent a lot of my time.
1: Oh, <laughs> behind my God. The, now. Yeah. I'm from Louisiana. So in Louisiana, that is where Catholicism first arrived. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I had very, very deep roots in Catholicism. Yes. It was France for, you know, years. In fact, I ended up discovering that in my ancestry, they were forced to be Catholic. I mean, you literally couldn't get on the boat unless you were right there baptized. If you were not already Catholic.
0: Never heard
1: that. It was in their law. It was in the French law and the black code for the slaves. I mean, you know, I ended up having a lot of French Creole in me, which was like a mix. And even though the races were mixed, what else happened was the religions and their belief systems were mixed as well.
2: Yeah, of course. So
1: I have from Haiti, a lineage of voodoo, really just a shamanic practice, ancient indigenous, old practice of holistic Stuff. I mean, much of what I do is what I'm I've even learned. getting ghost temples listening to you. But she, they wow. had to. They had to invite the saints in, and you know, because they needed to make it relatable if they were going to work with people. So Marie Laveau, who was the Voodoo Queen of New Orleans, the first one, the High Priestess, she was an aunt in my lineage, where wow. my grandmother and her shared the same father, and she was known as the sainted woman even though she did her voodoo she also was very dedicated to the catholic religion brought in the saints and all these things and you know some people feared her because they you know she was different they thought yeah that she might cast
2: a spell probably right which she probably could you know and did
1: (laughs) there was a Three-page obituary on her,
2: oh, because wow. she
1: did so much good, you know. And it was the archdiocese who actually gave her service. But if you look in some newspapers, it's like she was like the devil woman.
2: Yeah, of course. But you're, even from me and my work, even going back, say thirty years ago, because I was working oh. with as- ascension angels and guides and and ascended masters, and I was known as the witch on the hill there was people that would and bless them it's amazing when you bless them in love and light that they eventually come to your door and look for help it's just I think this is part of our initiation here on earth as well and it's not getting easier it's getting more challenging as we as the light workers we and the light bringers I find more <laughs> challenge it's like we're
1: going into quicksand again Well, I think that because now people are feared because they see the power of the light and the numbers because there are so many awakening. Oh, yes. And and I want to hear your story about how you have had a near-death experience. That's right. Had it started prior for you or was that kind of the the big light for you?
2: Light, No more than you, Shauna. I was reared in a family of kind of psychic people. And, but that time in Ireland, uh, it was like that. It was deemed as the devil's work. And it was my grandmother. My grandmother was extremely psychic. And her mom before that had seven sons without a daughter. Then my oh. grandmother had a, another son with seven sons. So there was a double gift of a seventh son with then a seventh son. And that was my uncle. I was conversing with angels and guides and I thought everybody could do it I thought everybody was looking and talking to angels I didn't care about being behind the blackboard you know I had my I i had a great time myself I didn't need the nuns I didn't care they thought they were punishing me in actual fact they were giving me time to be in communication with my guides and angels but it was only as I was say going into my teenagehood that I realized no not everybody is seeing what I'm seeing Then I thought I was, oh, my God, was there something wrong with me? And then when I was 15, 15, 16, I had my first incredible uh, spiritual experience where Mother Mary appeared to me in an old grotto. Incredible. And I keep her with me all the time because she's one of the ascended masters that worked with me.
1: Say hello to (laughs) Shauna. Oh my gosh. I am freaking out at the moment because I feel like I'm having like the biggest deja vu right now. Look,
2: earlier I was doing uh, my meditations and I, you know, it's so important for me that there is a, a union of souls and I was sending my angels and guides to connect with yours and Mandy so that we would have the most profound soulful engagement and it's happening already.
1: Yeah, that's, yeah, it's, you know, those feelings. You're like, wait, yeah. wait, did, did I already talk to her about this? It's like when I saw the photograph of Archangel Ariel, I
2: said, I know you, I know you. But it is amazing. And, and the work that is now coming to light and those that are awakening. And I've been told more recently by my guides, when I'm very passionate about, about things, I find it so important to try and empower others awaken others instill you know the the power of the divine in others and Mm -hmm. i have found more recently that it's like Mm -hmm. there is nobody home anymore it's like in 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 the mind and body and the spirit seems to be gone to sleep again and uh, i've been very sad about that that has really really saddened me over the last year two years in particular, and I'm sure you've felt the impact as well. And I've been told by my guides that those that are awake are awake now. I cannot bring anybody else with me. It's time to work with the awakened. I know we are divine channels and we're the light bringers and the light bearers, and it is so powerful. And it's, it's a huge, huge mission for us to deliver because now the times, as we know, where this is the one of the biggest, biggest spiritual battles in the history of humanity. What, what's happening all of us right now and what we're in right now. I find that hard and I have asked my guys, well, you know, when is when, OK, God? And I talk to God every day. Of course I do. And I have a beautiful channel called Gallianiel. She's uh, she was way before biblical times. Who has been working with me, and uh, I'm saying, okay, you know, I'm getting a bit tired here. He needs to step in now. I have been really, really told that I have to trust that a certain amount of this has to play out now because the dark is quite busy. This is its playground right now, but the light, the light will. Step in and the light will overcome and overthrow like it did many, many millennia ago. But I suppose I'm a bit impatient. I like things yesterday.
1: Yeah, you know, and I feel like that too. I feel like there's so many very important, deep things going on. Mm -hmm. And I was, you know, I think about that because I'm like, I know for sure for myself, like I'm being led down all of these avenues that I've never ever heard before but then there's also been some very dark ones that I feel like I needed to be aware of which is why the information came to me yes of course I tried to keep my discernment I tried to say how does this align with me even if it even if everyone in the world thinks it's real and right which Mm. is much like religion (laughs) yeah of course you know how do I feel about it. That's the one thing I feel like was lacking is, is that experience that you can actually speak from.
2: Yes. And and that's the other thing my guys have said to me and the word they did use the law of discernment. And it is like you don't need to look outside of yourself. You don't need to look at leaders or papers or media. Go
1: within. The answers are always there. Yeah. I can look at this as a global thing we need to heal from the inside out even globally
2: and we're all interconnected you see we're all part of the whole and we're all part of this this group global consciousness you know if a polar bear sneezes in the antarctic a grain of sand moves in the sahara and i mean that we are all part of this fabric of life and we're all we're all threads in that tapestry creating this life so it is everything single the the plants the animals the seas yeah. the oceans the skies we're all into we're all part of it
1: what you know what is your part i know on your website you offer so many beautiful workshops yeah. i mean you are i mean for people who are grieving they lose their child or their loved one and they are so desperate to connect but that grief is such a heavy dense low vibration sometimes it's hard to connect
2: for years in Ireland it was you know you didn't talk about your grieving women women covered the mirrors in our men in their (sighs) homes they turned them into the wall they they women wore black Closed in mourning for for a year year. and i mean yes it was part of our culture and there are many different Mm -hmm. cultures that express their grief very very differently but you know that was not healthy that was really really bringing yourself into the dungeon of iniquity i know
1: and so final too death is not the end it is nothing more but a transition absolutely
2: and and you see i trained as a shaman as well and i am a spirit midwife What i have witnessed and seen with my third eye and being present at the bedside of somebody about to make their transition it is such a sacred thing to witness it's 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 just like birth you know what my guides have said to me that it's birth is far more difficult than it is to die coming into the world is is far more challenging because we have to go through different stages and phases coming into the birth canal and getting into the, that void of nothingness. Because the baby as such, or shall we say the soul, has to go through the veil of forgetfulness so yeah. that it forgets all the passions and the programs of previous incarnations. And that has that deprogramming, and, and that veil of forgetfulness all happens within the womb until the birthday. So that's why sometimes it takes so long for the process to occur. Or
1: that's why they still come in, maybe, because they kept some of that with them. I mean, my little girl, until she was five, had recalled two past lives with names and locations. Mm
2: -hmm. That's amazing, because what happens there is is when we are out of the womb and and beginning to be individuated separately from mother. The baby, the soul, awakens to the earth plane, which is quite dense compared to the level it has come from. The heavenly realm is very, very high. It's it's huge, huge vibration. Earth, we're still fluctuating between third dimension and fifth. Some of us are awakening, and hopefully we're getting more towards the fifth dimensional frequency. But children have huge recall, and some are coming in with vivid recall of past lives
1: i and think more than ever right now unless i mean i have kids in different generations so i have yes. kids from 24 to nine wow. so my nine-year-old is a whole nether seed okay yes. and they all seem to be that way every little friend that comes over here that she has i'm like this yes. is incredible what
2: do you think? I, I actually think that they, they, as we all know, we all choose our parents. We choose mm-hmm. them long before we come on earth. So I think what's happening now, a lot of these very uh, awakened, enlightened mm-hmm. children, they are choosing the parents that will best serve them on yeah. their sole purpose.
1: So do you still have these little ones that are being born awakened?
2: Yes, yes, that's the way I see it because they need the guidance they need the spiritual compass that has been pre-planned for them and pre-ordained and it's always always in the psychic now of the parents and in particular the mother energy which as we spoke about the goddess but then again in saying that i'm being reminded now by spirits as we're speaking not all children that are incarnating now are all not all of them are awakened not all of them come in with their intuition and psychic gifts and spiritual uh, talents. So only some are choosing, but there is a lot on the earth right now. There is also a lot of crystal children coming in. They are coming in, the crystal children that are coming in, they're new souls on earth. They have no karma. They have no past incarnations and they're coming in with pure, pure crystalline energy in their energy fields. And that is to bring love, compassion and total awareness to humanity all fifth sixth and seventh even the ninth dimensional beings they're very in tune with the angelic realm they're also in tune with the elemental realm like the unicorns the um, mermaids the Mm -hmm. salimander yeah all of the earth creatures Mm -hmm. as well my father used to tell incredible stories about the fairies coming from ireland Ireland especially yeah right yeah And and there is huge, you see, because it's it's it has huge mystery and folklore and steeped in mythology, steeped Mm -hmm. in like leprechauns and the little people. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. You know, so I was reared with that type of energy as well, which is, I think, we're losing that magic now. Right. So I was reared into this family of psychic gifted people, but that time you had to be so careful. My grandmother used to let them in the back door. There was no entry through the front door because if people saw her doing readings for people or um, oh, wow. doing healings with people, it was going to, the priest was going to be told about this woman, you know. I suppose I learned to be very discerning, even with my own guest and And that is why when it came to... Uh, studying at school and all of that I always prayed to my angels my guides Mm and I always felt their presence I could see them I could hear them I was always getting downloads of even how to answer my questions which I would have studied for in my exams so then when I after having my huge spiritual awakening with the beautiful mother Mary I decided then that I was going to totally focus on science so when I went to college, I, be, I studied the sciences and I became a serologist. So in, in that way, I was kind of bringing oh, a balance yeah. to the right side, the logical side of my brain. I mean, I was pure science, never lost my connection with my guides or my angels. And Mother Mary became very, very significant in my daily living and my daily life. Okay. And then in 1992, I was diagnosed with advanced cervical cancer and at that stage it didn't phase me. I wasn't worried because I was at that time I was living in a very very unhappy marriage Mm. and in Ireland we had no divorce. We had only initiated separation laws. It would still take four years nearly for you to become separated but not divorced. So That time I was, as I said, living in a very unhappy marriage. And bless my ex-husband, he has been my greatest teacher on the Mother Earth because one of the things I have written about is love and compassion and forgiveness. So I learned through him many years later now, forgiveness. It didn't happen there on the spot. When I was in theatre, I I was obviously on the operating table. And all of a sudden, I'm floating and I'm on the ceiling and I'm looking down at this one and I'm saying, God, she looks awfully like me. What's all the fuss about? And I just said to myself, I'm so happy. I'm free. I feel no pain. I feel peaceful. I feel contentment. I have no fear. So I felt so, so beautiful at peace and at one. And then It was like a whirlpool. I didn't see this tunnel and I wasn't brought through the tunnel. It was a huge whirlpool of all this kaleidoscope of color. And I was pulled right into the center of it. It was like the nucleus of a cell bringing in the science again. I was bathed in this beautiful, blissful love. It was pure love. I never, ever, ever experienced such love. And the music I heard was out of this world. I will never hear it again until I make my transition to the other side. And then I was being pulled further into this whirlpool. And then out of this kind of like golden mist, this hand presents itself like a stop sign, like go no further. All I remember then being kind of like a tug and being back in my body. And I hear the doctor saying, she's back. We've got her back. So that was just an incredible. And three days later when the surgeon was obviously he had been around before and he said, you're one lucky lady that we got you back. And I said, why the hell didn't you just leave me there? I was quite happy. I was, I was fine. So it, you know, that bliss, that peace, that love, the music, I I've never forgotten it. And three months later, I wanted to be in that space again. I had all the intentions of ending my life because I was still back in my unhappy surroundings. I had decided I'm leaving this world. The pain and the darkness that I was living in was too much to bear. So then I said, this is it. I'm out of this. I'm out of it. And then the secrecy of not being able to tell anybody. It was, I don't know whether I was being loyal to a marriage that was no longer there or whether I was just ashamed of telling the truth. So I was going out that door at about, it it was about two or 10 past two, that's all I know, that hour of the morning, I had my mind made up, I was going to drive into the docklands. And this docklands had no no protective barriers at that time. It was just you would drive in and there had been so many accidents and so many people had lost their lives because when you come under a bridge, there, is, there was no warning signs. There was nothing. You were right into the sea. So I had said, yes, I'll put my foot in the accelerator under the bridge. I'll close my eyes and all will be over. And I was twisting the knob of the door to go out to get into the car. And the same hand presented itself. But this time my father. My father lit up the whole door and he said, Molly, could you keep your powder dry? That's an old Irish <laughs> saying. In other words, don't get your nings in a twist, you know, and uh, there are three hours. The next thing I know, it is about it's, it's after 5 a.m. in the morning. I'm sitting on the couch in the sitting room. I'm frozen solid. I'm shaking. My teeth are nattering, And the realisation that I was going to end my life and leave my three babies in their bedrooms. And I had all I wanted to get rid of the pain. But I have asked spirits since, what happened to me during those three hours that I have no recollection of? And they have told me they were repairing and restoring my soul energy in order for me to have energy and power to do what I needed to do next. So the next day, was the beginning of a very long journey legally, six and a half years. I had the courage then to go to lawyer and the rest is history. And then that's where my journey, my total healing journey began then from
0: there on. Wow. Very powerful, the near-death experience and then also the second piece of that because I can totally relate, you know. I had two near-death experiences. I love hearing other people's because you hear the similarities. similarities and when similarities. you described that golden dust, I, yeah. I always tell people, you know, I, I saw the same thing. Um, I'm really sad that I didn't hear the music. We had on David Ditchfield who heard the music and Eben Alexander who heard the music. Yeah. Uh, what did the music sound like to you?
2: Put it this way, Mandy, I out of this world... <laughs> I have tried to find, I love Tibetan music, I do mantras, invocations, I've tried every, every culture that is possible that has all this beautiful music, diva, primal, all of those, I can never, ever, ever. Have you
1: heard of the um, JJ Hertha Keys of Enoch website, their music is the chanting of the different names of God?
2: Oh wow! Oh no! But oh, you a, know what's on my deal. bucket list? The
1: I'll Kings send it Avina. to you. Oh, that'll be brilliant! I'm all goose pimples. I'm all excited. Yeah, yes. I found it, and I'll, yeah, I found it because you know we've been preparing to have him on because I I want to make sure I ask him the best questions ever, and oh, wow. I found the music. And I listened to it, and it is pretty divine. You'll have to let me know. I'll send it to you. Oh, that'll be. Oh, I would love it. I,
2: I'm I'm all excited now because I have tried, I have kind of stopped looking now because I can still feel it in my soul. Of course I oh, can. Yeah. yeah, I can still feel it, and it's there. And it is like I, I've one thing about the, and then I was on a panel with uh Dr. Peter Fenwick uh a few weeks back, and he's just amazing. It was like meeting my my God on earth and uh because he's done the huge um, research into near-death experience over 40 plus years with children and their near-death experiences and he has done huge incredible studies but um, I said to him when he you know I said I don't know why he called it the near-death experience I said I mean when you're dead you're dead I mean I was pronounced dead my heart had stopped my brain had ceased to function. My pulse was gone. I said, I was dead. Why are they calling it the near dead experience? <laughs> and he just took a little laugh and he says, very good question, Maury. Oh, he says, you know, but he says, I suppose now, he says, with all the advancements in medical uh, technology, that one can be resolved much more easily now, you know? And he says, probably that's why I think about it. I said, <laughs> You know, so I mean it is an incredible, as you know, Mandy. It's the fear of death totally goes after having the death experience. It, it totally goes. And I think that that is the one thing when I'm in my workshops, the when especially when I'm running the loved ones a whisper away and, and teaching people how to connect with your loved ones. It is like the the biggest fear they all have is the fear of dying. And yeah. It is it's, it's it's so sad. And that is what I find, too, when I'm at the bedside of the dying and when I'm mm-hmm. called in as the spirit midwife, it is so sad to see such fear. And what I have what I have really, really discovered in the last few years, that those that have some kind of a belief systems that believe in some kind of a religion, they eventually surrender much easier. To -hmm. to the afterlife, they surrender to the death process. Those that have no faith path, no belief in anything, um, they they hold on, they they fight it, they fight the end, they fight the dying because they're afraid Mm -hmm. of the unknown. And Mm -hmm. that is why I think it's so important that we try and educate, you know, people that this is a process. We have done this before. We have had many incarnations, a lot of us, not the new Christian children that are coming in, but a lot of us have had many, many, many lifetimes. And we're we're trying to master the unfinished business that we didn't master in the previous lifetimes. So I think it is so important that we could be the light for those that are afraid to die, show them and, and give them the information like I have in my book, Whereafter, you know, the scientific, the medical, and the yeah. spiritual experiences that I've had with clients. The experiences that I have witnessed at the bedside of the dying has been so beautiful. And, so, mm. oh, my God, to witness, to be a witness to this is such a blessing, and it's, it's a humbling experience, you know. And, and I'm sure you would have heard of different things where people, you know that they're in a state of total unconsciousness and all of a sudden they would just rise up in their bed and they would just reach out into something they're seeing somebody somebody is calling them but it's like yeah and i have seen this many many times it's not just with, with yeah oh yes it's incredible and it's like i can see that they the veil between the two worlds part it's like a A heavy curtain opening, and I've never seen that. But wow, that would be
0: so. They literally are like lifting out their arms, like they're welcoming something.
2: They see, they see their loved ones, and that's another thing. It's so important Mm. to reassure people that nobody, nobody, and this is what my guides also have really reassured me. Nobody, nobody dies for the want of a better word alone. Every single person is brought across by somebody that has already passed, somebody that is familiar to them, Mm -hmm. a saint, a holy one, an angel, an archangel, or someone that's of huge importance. Nobody makes that journey to the other side. And the angels of transition, the archangel Azrael and angel Gabriel, even though Gabriel is for births as well, he's also present at the bedside of the dying to bring the soul across the veil also
1: do you work with um that I don't even really know him but his name keeps coming up for me in my mind it's just there that um Melchizedek
2: Melchizedek he's the order of the priesthood and he's just an incredible he actually works with my hubby believe it or not and um, hubby number two and uh, he is an amazing ascended master and he works with the masculine energy that we spoke about earlier. And as I said, he works with the order of the priesthood. So he is, and because I had seen an image of this guy uh, weeks and weeks after I had seen the image of Archangel Ariel and uh, I, I, I kind of dismissed him. He was on somebody's altar and uh, my husband who was in training at the time now, he's a clinical or he's a counseling psychologist, but he loves the he loves all the healing modalities and he uses them as well. It's amazing where psychology fails. Healing and the, the intuitive side of him really works. So uh, this guy uh, was looking at him man through meditation, he was on top of this mountain and Lord Melchizedek came to him. And he said he was going to work with him from now on if he was open to receiving his essence and energy. So when he's stuck in a counseling session, he will call on Lord Melchizedek to open the pathways between them. And it always works. Isn't that amazing?
1: I just think, I find it so amazing that the gods and goddesses have come to you very similar to Mandy and I and, it's like you could read a book about him, but you don't get to know him that way, right? Yeah. You can't even know they exist. I have a spirit guide named David who um, is a mute monk Wow, <laughs> from Austria.
2: I mean, just random stuff, right? I feel sometimes that I'm unworthy to be this yes. channel. This is something I need to overcome. This is one of my soul lessons here on this earth. I've come in with a mission and a soul purpose, but I've been recently told I'm coming, I have a God purpose also. And it is about, you know, especially in the last two years, every single one of us have gone through our different stages and phases of isolation, loneliness, losing loved ones. And it is about reconnecting with source energy, that God essence within us. Up until the last two years, there, there was... So many so many that was so focused on materialism and acquiring more and more and they became disconnected from their pure source light which is the god essence that spark of divinity that's in all of us and we and when we came on earth that spark of god divinity was instilled within our souls Mm. so we carry that we carry that but It's so easy through ego and through materialism, greed and power to think, well, I don't, who needs God? Who is God? You know, sure, I am a God in my own right. And it's only then when something tragedy or an illness strikes, then you start clawing back and realize Mm -hmm. what's important. What's of value and the most valuable thing in our lives is our soul worth and our soul selves. And that's the journey as well. They, they are the crosses, they are the initiations, the trials that are presented to us then in order to grow. Yeah.
0: You know, a lot of people think they have to have like this near death experience to have this overwhelming oneness and feeling of love. Um, Through this podcast, I've learned that a lot of people get that just through meditation, through astral travel, through just ego death, through different situations. And I think that it can happen more than once in someone's life in different manners. Some use ayahuasca, you know, there's all kinds of different ways. Yes. Since this happened to you, has it happened again in other ways?
2: Oh, of course. And for me. It it catapulted me on a journey of self-discovery. And you know, the idea, I mean, as I said, having a science background and having had my angels and guides and the beautiful Mother Mary always, always there, I took them Mm -hmm. for granted, really. But I didn't know that peace that I felt in the heavenly realm, that peace I had to rediscover it here on earth and recreate it. Right i knew nothing of meditation nada i had no idea what is meditation what's visualization what's mantras invocation so as somebody had gifted me with this with louise Hay book you can heal your life and i had the greatest pleasure uh, attending one of her workshops in when she first came to london many years ago oh. yeah and i remember saying to her being able to say to her you know you saved my life because that was the book i learned the process mm-hmm. of forgiveness and she's oh my god honey sure that's what we're here for <laughs> and oh my god I was so excited <sighs> in all of her I was falling <sighs> in love with her and and then I did many workshops with and study with Deepak Chopra the beautiful Wayne mm. Dyer and then I studied with Dr. Brian Wes, many Lies, many masters who was a psychiatrist as you're probably familiar with uh, and no more yeah. than Dr. Ivan Alexander, he was a, he had, a, he was a neurosurgeon. He believed in nothing, only factual evidence. And I can understand yeah. that coming from that background myself. And, but Dr. Brian was many lies, many masters. He, he believed in absolutely nothing. And in this 27 year old Catherine presented to him who was having all these phobias, could not take medication, could uh, she was his last resort. He was her last resort and she had been in psychiatric units and she was just 27 years of age so he started doing past life regression on her and then she like that she started revealing all this stuff in history that he could not figure out where she getting this information from she would describe the terrain she would describe what she was wearing she would describe the language that she was speaking and that time there was no mr google so he'd have to come home and validate what she said through history books. And he was still sitting on the fence of doubtfulness. And then one day, while she was in full-blown regression with him, she came out of her trance and she said, by the way, she gave him this information which was only privy to Dr. Brian West and his wife and his young son that had passed. And she gave a huge, huge insight to the story and he was just blown away. And he said to one of his colleagues, he said, you know, this lady is speaking in tongues. I have never heard that she has given me dates in history and time that I've never known about, but I, they are accurate and they are in the history books. So that's when his pure soul searching. He became, he went from skeptic to total believer. No more than Iban Alexander as well. And there are many doctors like that. And Mandy, you know, that, but bless Elizabeth Oogler-Ross. She pioneered all of this, uh, you know, life after death. And she believed that the, the soul lived on. And that's the thing we don't talk about. any. We don't talk about the soul. Who is the soul? Have we all soul? What is soul? And the soul is that whole, that divine part of us. Even uh, Aristotle, Plato, Socrates. They all, and even going back to Swedenborg, then in the 1600s, and Des- Descartes, they all believed that the soul—the one thing they agreed at, even though there were centuries apart—that the soul was the most magnificent and divine part of our human psychic. And the soul is the essence of who we are. The soul is like our engine that gives us life. It's the chi. It's the life force that drives us in this human vehicle and like what people are forgetting is we are spiritual beings and we come on earth and we occupy a human vessel which is the body and the body is not us it is the soul and without the soul we would be empty vessels
0: wow oh my god i know i was sitting there like wanting to raise my hands and dance around when you were talking (laughs) (laughs) I felt like I was in like a really good church session for a moment
2: (laughs) but it's isn't it beautiful the exchange we're able to have through the ethers and have that connection it's but then again it's the power of our intention and I spoke there earlier about forgiveness and that took me years to learn forgiveness and without forgiveness there is no healing and that I learned a long time ago to let go and let God because holding on to grudges. I uh, There was one of my clients, he was my older, he used to attend all my workshops and night classes. He was in his late seventies, an incredible soul, never understood why he came to the classes, but I always loved the male energy. As I spoke to you earlier, Jan, about the divine masculine and divine feminine balance, but he was just a beautiful energy, a very strong, beautiful man. And then for some weeks he didn't turn up. And then I get a phone call and he said, Christ, Marielle. He says, I'm in a bad way. And I says, Really? Uh, Barney. And he said, Yes. He said, um, I haven't got good news. He says, can I come and see you? I said, of course. So he came to see me and told me he had been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and he had six weeks left to live. And Okay, I said, right, we'll put that energy into getting you ready for the afterlife. Forget about the past, but we'll start bringing healing to the past to discover there was an unsolved family issue. As in Ireland, all was about land. The green pastures have caused so much trouble in our history, you know, and. There, he was, there was a brother he hadn't spoken to for over 40 years because of a problem between his father and the land and this other brother. And that time, we spoke earlier about uh, visualizations and meditation, and I brought, I was guided with permission of the soul. I always seek permission from the soul of the person that's before me, either the soul that's going through a healing or the soul that's about to make their transition. It's so important. I I will not interfere with the physical body, not unless the soul allows me to. So I was guided like that to bring him on a journey and did not know where this journey was going and brought him into the afterlife. And I knew there was this incredible exchange happening because I could see it in my third eye. It was like a television before me. And afterwards, he put his hand up to his head and he said, Christ, he says, I'm after being in the grandest place, he says, the grandest place, and he says, I met my father, and my father asked me to forgive him for what he did wrong all those years ago, that he was sorry, he didn't know any different, but he said, will you please make it up with your brother before I come and take you to the other side. And then he said to me, Barney says, and didn't I meet my two dogs? Bonnie and Clyde. And I went, oh, my God. And these were his two sheepdogs that he used to have on the land. Right. So I got a phone call from his wife just about the six weeks later to say that he had passed and that his brother was at his bedside when he was passing. So this is the beautiful Healy for forgiveness as well, because it's much easier to forgive this side of the veil
0: Yes, I would agree. And I hear a lot of names like death doulas, but I loved what you called it earlier. You called it a spiritual midwife. 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 I love that. But yeah. do you know, somebody
2: said to me, are you a doula? And I says, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. I said, this yeah. is a name that was given to me. And when I asked my guides, why, where did this come from? Apparently 500 years ago, I was a spirit mm-hmm. midwife in England. And that time, I was born into a psychic family. And from a very early stage, I showed this psychic ability. And that time in England, anyone that had psychic gifts were deemed witches and were burnt at the stake or they were murdered, right? So in order to protect me, my family sent me into a nunnery for the rest of my life. And my role was spirit midwife, to hand them, and I was shown hands coming out through the veil, the spirit hand and the physical hand meeting through the veil, and they were being handed across. And that's how Mm. I was deemed.
1: I have been shown similar with myself. Well, in a past life regression, I was in like this convent of nuns, and it was in the 1400s or something like that, and 1432. It was in Austria. And what was very interesting is it was so old. They didn't have windows, but I did not want to be there though. And I was starving and I was a Franciscan one. And when I, and wait, I didn't even know what a Franciscan was. Wow! I literally, I came out and I was like, Francisco, maybe
0: (laughs) being able to kind of sit back and listen to you guys for the first 30 minutes is so gone. The directions our listeners have been asking about. I did a poll on our Patreon asking what they'd want to learn more about and spirit guides kept coming up. So I love that you have so much experience with us because that's where our listeners are wanting to learn more. I know for Mm -hmm. me, myself growing up, I had never heard the word spirit guide. And I always thought as guides as either God, angels, or loved ones that had passed away. Mm -hmm. And I think that people have a hard time figuring out, how they can reach their guides, how they can know their guides, how they can put names to their guides. Because we've been conditioned so much to ignore what people call our imagination that I believe is more of a reality. So what advice would you give to our listeners on being able to really like tune in and get to know who their guides are?
2: Okay, first of all, it's the power of your intention. If you really, with all your heart and soul, you want to make that divine connection with somebody, be it an angel, an archangel, a guide, a a saint, a wise one, a holy one, an ascended master, set your intention. Create the sacred space. Light a candle. Put on music that has no uh, words to it. And just turn off your phone. Be in a position of receiving. And ask whoever you may or may not believe in. Say, look, guys, I'm here now and I'm going to sit and, I'm, and I don't really know do I believe in you. Or maybe I do believe in you and I just don't know where to start. Teach me. Show me the way. I am open to receiving. And then it's amazing. It's like when I'm teaching people how to connect with their loved one in spirit world. And it's even the the biggest skeptic when they really, with all their heart, they want to make that connection. And when they open their heart, it's amazing how they feel the energy of their loved one with them. And for me, when Mother Mary is forever present and my guides, Archangel Zekiel of the Violet Flame came into my life in 2008 and a wonderful Ascended Master as well. And. It is just about being in receiving mode. But and it's about Mm -hmm. switching your channel. If you're sitting down at night and say your husband is watching CNN news, right? And you want to watch, say, a a different channel, like I, I don't know what you have there, like a BBC channel. So you have to compromise. You can't watch both at the same time. So what do you do? You switch the channel. So our vibration is, as I was saying earlier, we're fluctuating between third and hopefully striving to get into fifth dimensional being. And we have to switch our own channel. And by doing that, we have to be in a peaceful place. No external noise, no noise in the background that would disturb you. And it's yeah. about closing your eyes and asking the yeah. presence of God and whoever is there, that is
0: for you to step forward. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. I think that's going to be really helpful. Yeah.
2: And so important, Mandy, not to try too hard, not to force it. And when you least expect it, then it will happen.
1: Yeah. Try not to force it. You said the violet flame and, you know, I always connected that with St. Germain. Yes.
2: Yes. St. Germain and Archangel Zeitzkela, they managed it together. And Mm. there is is huge healing properties with the violet flame. The violet Mm. flame re-entered into the earth atmosphere um, after the harmonic convergence in um, 1987. And it had been withdrawn from the earth because of what? Mankind was using it for, instead of good, but for power and greed. It was withdrawn over 2,000 years ago. And in 1987, because pockets of people all over the globe sat in meditation, like the Wiesek Valley, like the Fenthorn in Scotland, like the uh, Himalayas, uh, and Mount Shasta, I was there. Yeah, of and, course. Um, had an incredible experience there. And the violet flame was given back to mankind. Okay. And it was going to be the most powerful healing ray for the next 2000 years. So, I always send that if somebody is going into a hospital or if I know they're having surgery, say that day, I will send it to the place into every, every floor, every corridor, every room above, below, north, south, east, and west, and all around to cleanse and clear it so that the place is pure, pure, violet transmutational mm-hmm. light. I love
0: that. So, I'm curious, does Mary and Jesus as guides for you come up? as in biblical character or are they different for you it's amazing i was shown
2: earlier i have modernized my yeshua ah,
0: See, he's always he's handsome
2: yeah. he's like george
0: clooney <laughs> isn't he isn't he <laughs> uh, yes <laughs> you yeah. know that reminds me i wanted to tell you that your book cover it was captivating it like brought me in yeah i was mesmerized by uh, of course the art but that violet color And um, it's it was just there's certain books that I look at that I just, you know, glance and and go on Uh, yours. It was like it brought me into it.
2: Well, Mandy, I have to thank I I have a very gifted daughter. She's one of the Indigo, the late Indigo children. And she is just an incredible soul. And she, for years and years has been designing covers for my classes. And she said, for God's sake, mom. No more feathers, no more clouds, no more staircases to heaven. None, she says, let me, do it. yeah. She says, leave this to me. She bought the copyright, Nicola, bless her. I send her so much love. She bought the copyright for that. And it's the minute one of my pure psychic friends who, who deals with soul retrieval like myself, she said, oh my God, the levels and the layers, she said, of our spiritual soul is there. And she said, it's timeless. You know, there is no time. We're immortal. We never die. She could see all of this. And I was, oh my God, yes. And, and bless my daughter, Nicola, for, for that. She's very gifted. But like that, she chooses
0: to keep it shut down for quite some time. So your book, Whereafter, you know, there are a lot of books about near-death experiences. What makes your book different than the other ones that they could choose from?
2: Okay. And, and, you know, I never intended uh, to write a book. I mean, I have written many articles I would have written for newspapers and magazines and, and all of that. But in th- the spirits, isn't it amazing the way they get my attention and our attention when, the, when we're not listening? So in 2018, I had a major ski accident on a mountain in Spain and I was rendered totally paralyzed and unable to walk for five months. And during those months, while I was looking up at this ceiling, my, in the middle of the night, where I'm always disturbed by my beautiful friends, angelic friends, they said, you know, they started showing me a pyramid. And there was the spiritual, there was the scientific, and there was the medical. And I said, what are you showing me? And they said, you need to write this because people will equate with it. And then I was seeing the board, and there was the different aspects of the scientific, the proof by all the wonderful scientists and physicists of the world, the most renowned ones, going back to Einstein, Swedenberg, you know, that these people believed in afterlife and that they had the evidential proof that the afterlife existed. Then there was the, on the other prong was the medical and about all the wonderful doctors that had now endorsed the huge proof that afterlife is a re- it's no longer a phenomena it is a real to make it more real as well i was to bring in my own spiritual experiences with clients over the years and my journey with them and that is why it's very easy to read and then there are techniques for anybody who has lost a loved one and there is a children involved techniques how to work with them without non you know without the language in using nonverbal tools there is uh, beautiful stories with um, people that have transitioned through suicide that they are still brought home into the light they are not judged to hell's fire and condemnation it's i hate dreadful. I hear that yes so and navigating the you know, chapters, waters of grief as well and there's beautiful uh, things that were downloaded to me affirmations as well but it's very easily read. There's fabulous stories about love and forgiveness. The scientific model is there, the medical. But it's, it's very easy, very easy to read. So, and that's why I think it makes it easier. And it shows that the afterlife is real. It is not a figment of one's imagination or a phenomenon Amen. that yet needs yeah. to be proved. It's there.
0: So tell our listeners the full title of your book. It's Whereafter.
2: Whereafter, where do our loved ones go after they die? And yeah. it it's, can be bought on any of the global Amazons, uh, John yeah. Hunt Publishers, and my website is www.mariellefordclark.com and all my social media platforms are linked into that as well.
0: Awesome. You know, I think this book is about timing too, because I know a lot of people that are suffering right now. And there's a lot of impacts right now that I've been interacting with that are being set back into a place of depression because, you know, we're seeing a lot of death around the world. We're hearing about it on the news a lot. Um, There's just a lot of mental illness and addictions that are rising. And so a lot of people who just take that on like their own are really hurting right now. And I think that the one thing about me and you is our message as people that have had near-death experiences is that we get to bring hope to people and let them know that on personal experience, people, there is a beautiful afterlife mm-hmm. waiting for yeah. every single person on earth.
2: And everybody yeah. transitions to the afterlife, Mandy, irregardless of Religion, creed, race or age, it doesn't matter. We all make that transition and we go to that afterlife, to the level of consciousness that we had here on earth. Yes,
0: I I got chills all over my body.
1: And so you teach this, you teach this, right?
2: Up until now, you see, I was doing all of these live I, in, in, mm-hmm. with live audiences, live, live participants. Um, the last two years, I've been cancelling, waiting and cancelling. So I think my next step is to put them on Zoom. But th- there is something lovely about when you're having an audience that you can be there physically and you can hug them and squeeze them and hold them yes. and, um. and read them. Not so, much, not so much what they're saying, reading the language, reading the body, seeing the okay. soul. How is it?
0: Yeah? Yes. And now it's time for Break That Shit Down.
2: What I'm really being guided and what I'm being shown by my guide right now is the beautiful meaning of namaste. And namaste is I honor the place in each of you listeners where the entire universe dwells. I honor the place in each of you, which is of love, light, truth, and peace. When you are in that place in you, and I am in that place in me, we are one. Namaste, my angels.
0: Whoa, that might have been one of my most favorite PTSDs. <laughs> I loved that. That was beautiful. And we just want to give another shout out to Gavin for sending us yet another beautiful guest. So thank you for coming on today and for taking time all the way from Ireland, which I will visit someday. Yeah, it's been
2: an absolute pleasure. I called you my earth angels and thank you. Tonight, after our talk, your soul sisters bless you. <laughs>
0: thank you for being just present and trusting yourself and your guides so that you're able to put this work and light out.
2: Thank yeah. you so much, girls. Yeah. I bless you both completely. <laughs> Namaste, my angels.
0: Thank you. Namaste. Namaste.
1: Thanks for being with us today. We hope you will come back next week. If you like what you hear, don't forget to rate, like, and subscribe. Thank you. We rise to lift you up.